When these things happen, we know Jesus is coming next. The first thing we're going to see is described for us in G- by Jesus in Luke 21, starting at verse 25. When we see this happen, it's real. The end is upon us. Jesus says, And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So you see the first thing that's going to happen that shows us Jesus is upon us is the powers of heaven will be shaken. When we wake up each morning, don't we see a stability in the powers of heaven? The sun is there. It continues until evening and then Darkness comes upon the earth and the moon is often shining and the stars are in the sky. When the powers of heaven are shaken, that sun will turn dark at a time when it should be shining. I know a woman who had a dream about this. She and her husband were going out to buy a TV She went out to the car, and he was still getting ready, and she was waiting for him, and all of a sudden, the sky turned completely dark. She said it was terrifying. She fell down on her knees, and she realized there is absolutely nothing that can be done about this. I had a similar dream. In the dream that I had, the earth slipped on its axis. That would be the powers of heaven shaken. And when that happened, people were terrified. No one knew what to do. No man was going to control this. It wasn't a thing where they were going to speculate why this happened, because it could only be God. And that's the way it will be in the end time. Only God can cause hail and earthquakes and the things described in Revelation in the great tribulation. Only God can do that. No man could do this. No man's responsible. In this coronavirus thing that hit in 2020, people blamed China. Some people tried to blame China. They tried to blame blame other people. It won't be that way in the great tribulation. It's from God. And only the things that can be done by God will come to pass. And no man can stop it. Well, in the dream I had, the government leaders were meeting with the scientists and the religious leaders to try to figure out what to do when the earth slipped on its axis. A newscaster was in the broadcasting room giving a report of what was happening, and he became so terrified that he just stopped speaking and walked off camera. 
It's not like today where newsmen get on there and try to pretend they're sad or pretend this is awful when really they're going to go out and have a nice lunch. It's not that way. In this stream where the earth slipped on its axis, that newscaster knew he was affected. And he just got up and walked off camera. And that's what's coming. So let's look at this once more. The first thing that we're going to see is that sun going dark in the middle of the day. When you see that, it's real. It's upon us. The return of Jesus is upon us. The great tribulation is upon this earth. And the end of the earth comes after the great tribulation, as described by Peter in Second Peter chapter 3. The day of the Lord, the heavens and the earth shall be dissolved by fire. Second Peter 3 verse 10. But first, before the heavens and earth are dissolved by fire, comes the great tribulation. Comes the power of the heavens being shaken and Jesus coming through the clouds, the second coming of Christ. Once again, Luke 21, Jesus explains it to us. Verse 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Jesus says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Verse 33, Jesus says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. All of these things you can see with your natural eye are going to be destroyed. All these things that humans tend to focus on are going to pass away. But the word of God endures forever. It will never pass away. So, doesn't this show us delight yourself in the word? It will never be destroyed. You'll never lose that investment. It will always, through all eternity, be there. And Jesus warned us for the time between now and the day the sun goes dark. How do we live? Well, he tells us, verse 34, Luke 21, and take heed to yourselves. Look at how you're living. Look at what you're doing. Evaluate yourself by the scriptures. Make changes according to the scriptures. Go that way. And he says, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. That's overabundance. Overabundance, overindulgence, too much television, too much talk, too many people, too much running here and there, too many 
things and places, wearing yourself out for nothing. Take heed lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. Is there anything today that troubles you? Let's stop for a second and evaluate yourself, and I will evaluate me. Is there anything that I can think of that troubles me as a potential problem in the days ahead? I have prayed over those things. I have prayed over the common fears that a person could have. I'm 82 years old at this time. I know several things that can happen to you that you younger people might not know because I've had them happen to me. I have fallen. I have been in a situation where it was critical and I was alone and could not get to a telephone to call for help. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be go through surgery after an accident and be shut up for two and a half months in a rehabilitation center with helpless, basically helpless. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be at the point of death. I know what those things are like. So, of course, I can imagine, what if I fall again? Well, that's very fearful. So what did I do with that fear? I turned to God and prayed. Let your request be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing, says Paul. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus the Word. So I turned to God and I said, Please don't let this happen to me again. Please, just don't let it happen. And I began, after that, thinking of certain dangers and to, uh, to remove the dangers. I'm very careful when I get up. I'm very careful about things that might be on the floor that I would trip over. I'm very careful about many things. The other day I went into the bathroom, and when I walked back to my bedroom, it was just a matter of walking across the hall from the bathroom to my bedroom, and I felt wobbly, and I thought, why do I feel so unsteady? I had forgotten to to walk back with my walker, and I was trying to use a cane. I keep a cane hung on the door of the bathroom because the bathroom is too small to put a walker in it. So I keep a cane on, hanging on the wall and I roll the walker up to the door of the bathroom and then I get the cane and go on into the bathroom. Well, that day I came out of that bathroom and I forgot to take the walker back to the bedroom and I was trying, I was walking with the cane which is much less stable than the walker. I was reminded of that. Now, when I go in the bathroom, I turn the walker so that it is blocking the doorway, and I can't go to my bedroom without taking the walker. Things like that. After you pray, God often brings to your attention little things that you can do which make it safer for you in the fear that you have. Committing everything to God in prayer is critical. 
That is one of the most critical things that we can do today. Because in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Peter says, Because you look for the return of Jesus, how should you be living right now? And Peter says to do three things. Keep yourself in peace continually without spot and blameless. That's 2 Peter 3, 14. Because you don't know what day Jesus is going to come. What if he comes at the moment that you are angry with somebody? Are you going to be taken off the earth at that time? Or are you going to be left on the earth to go through the great tribulation? I think Jesus is going to come for those people who call, identify themselves as Christians who are found in peace without spot and blameless at the time Jesus arrives. And we don't know when he's coming. No man does. Therefore, this is an admonition to us to live continually in peace without spot and blameless. And the only way we can live in peace while we're on this earth is by taking every concern to God in prayer and allowing him to work through the situation with us. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer connects us to God. Therefore, connecting us to God makes us worthy to escape all these things that come upon the earth. If we're not praying about these things, are we going to be worthy to escape? I don't think so. I don't think we're going to escape. I think we're going to be in the Great Tribulation with the other people. I don't want to be in the Great Tribulation with the other people. There will be elect of God in the Great Tribulation who go through the Great Tribulation. For Jesus said, if the days are not shortened of the time of the Great Tribulation, if those days were not shortened, there would be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So I know there will be elect of God on this earth to go through the Great Tribulation. I don't want to be one of them. I am very diligent to pray when I am concerned about anything or have encountered a rebellious person who says he's a Christian who will not do the word of God. For that troubles me greatly. I can't be in peace and think about that person. Therefore, I have to pray continually for God to restore my soul in those situations. And he always does. God always brings me something to restore my soul. Recently, God gave me a vision of Christ people who say they are Christians who are really like vermin, coming at me from every direction, from under the wall. From under each wall, I had an open vision of these things coming at me. They say they're Christians, but they're really vermin. And they were coming at me, all around me, on the left side, on the right side, in the center, coming toward where I was seated. That was an open vision. And God showed me they are like vermin. 
You can't be in peace when you're dealing with Antichrist Christians, Antichrist church people who say they're Christians while they do all these things that aren't like Christians. You can't be in peace with those people. So you have to turn to God in prayer and let him restore you. A few days ago, I said something to a man who came here who was extremely bad. He said he was a Christian, but what he said was awful that came out of his mouth. And I said something to him. And then I had Pam Paget, a member of the Body of Christ. I live at her house. I had her do a graphic illustration of the open vision that I had from God, where he showed the vermin coming toward me who called themselves Christians. And at the top of the uh, graft, I'll, ha- I'll try to remember to have Pam print that on this uh, podcast, on the printing of the podcast, uh, which we publish on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortation. I'll try to have Pam uh, put that on this. But the illustrations she drew were mice and rats and snakes and all kinds of obnoxious insects that have the power to hurt an individual. That's what these people are who say they are Christians but are really vermin, not of the Spirit of God. And there are many of them. There are so many of them. Jesus said, take heed on the end end times. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. There will be many come saying they are Christians who aren't. That's Matthew chapter 24, if you want to look that up. Anyway, I had uh, put a little uh, caption on this illustration that that Pam drew. And then the thoughts came to me like, oh, you've just gone too far. You've gone too far. But then God, by the Holy Spirit, reminded me of Elijah, who mocked the false prophets of Baal. He mocked them. Well, that's exactly what I was doing. Up at the top corner of the little vermin illustration, I said, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And then down at the bottom, me too, me too, underneath one of the rats. That's what they do. But they aren't Christians. They aren't born of the Spirit of God. They aren't following God by his spirit. And while I put those mocking illustrations there, words there, God said, this is just like Elijah when he mocked the 450 false prophets of Baal. And then he slew them with a sword. What what did Moses do? There was a rebellion against Moses and he called out to God. And God opened the ground and swallowed up that rebellious person and his whole family. His, he destroyed everybody. I'm not calling on God to destroy these people. I'm avoiding them when I see them to save my own soul. Because if I stayed around them, they would pull me down and I believe I would be destroyed. After the first and second admonition reject, says Paul to Titus, Titus chapter 3, after the first and second teaching and time you try to warn them, reject them. If they don't follow God, reject them. For they are subverted, says Paul, and sinneth, being condemned of themselves. They basically, 
identified themselves with their own evil words, and they condemn themselves. We must avoid them. All right, looking once again at Luke 21. Verse 34, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Cares of this life. Why aren't you praying about it? Are you concerned about your children? Turn to God and pray about that specific concern and allow God to settle you down and if necessary show you what to do or show you, leave it alone, it'll be okay. Keep yourself in peace by prayer. Take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares, because you don't know when Jesus is returning, and I don't know, and no human knows. Jesus says, For a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, not watch the things going on in the world. Watch yourself, what you're doing. And pray always, continually turning to God with the things that concern you. Connecting with God continually through prayer. Because that makes you accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Well, this is a very clear picture of what is coming, how we can recognize it, and what we're supposed to do in the meantime. Let's look at Second Peter chapter 3. Start at verse 10. Peter says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's sort of like that coronavirus came. Now, that's not the day of the Lord. But how did it hit? It was like a thief, wasn't it? I remember clearly on March 11th, 2020. I remember the day I was watching TV and they announced that the March Madness basketball tournament in the United States, they were only going to let a few people in the auditoriums to observe the tournament. And then they made, almost immediately came an announcement they weren't going to have the tournament. They were discontinuing the whole tournament. It was like a thief. And then NBA stopped, PGA, uh, PGA stopped. Everything stopped. Major League Baseball, everything shut down. Businesses. It was like a thief. We experienced something we've never seen before, and it should help us to understand how that is exactly what the day of the Lord will be like. It is like a thief in the night. That sun will stop shining. Jesus will come through the clouds, remove some of the people who are the church, leave the others, I believe, for the great tribulation, and then comes the great tribulation, which is described for us in beginning in Revelation chapter 8 through verse 16. So the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens 
shall pass away with a great noise. That's going to happen at the end of the Great Tribulation when everything's destroyed. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Now there may be a great noise when the powers of heaven are shaken, which is prior to the Great Tribulation. There could be a great noise that we would actually hear when the power, if, if Jesus doesn't come before that happens, and I don't think he will. I think he will come right as he said. The powers of heaven would be shaken first, and then you see the sign of the Son of Man coming through the clouds. I think the powers of heaven are going to be shaken first. Those who are alive on this earth would see that, and it will be terrifying. But then would be the end of these heavens and earth. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And then Peter says in verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. The Apostle John describes that new heaven and new earth for us in Revelation chapter 21. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And that means every day we must make it our goal to keep ourselves in peace without spot and blameless. And make no mistake about it, evil communications corrupt good manners. If you're out there communicating with someone in the churches who's evil, it's going to corrupt good manners. That's um, 1 Corinthians 15. And with that, I will close. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.